Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks so much for joining us here for episode 790 with Erica Pierce. Erica has some excellent wisdom on how you can improve your visibility, your value to not be overlooked or underpaid or undervalued. So you'll learn one, the critical assumption that keeps professionals from advancing. Two, how to properly negotiate for a raise or promotion. And three, three rules for more visibility when working remotely. So if you want to check out the show notes or the transcript or pieces that we mention here, please Drop on by awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP790. And if you're at awesomeatyourjob.com, check out some of our goodies like the Gold Nugget email summaries or the 10 Days to Winning at Work email course or every episode tagged by the topic and competency covered. A lot of goodies at awesomeatyourjob.com. Now here's Erica's story. Erica Pierce is the president and founder of Piercing Strategies, a leadership development coach and expert with a passion for creating forward-thinking leaders. After 15 years of corporate leadership experience, her 360-degree view of leadership has empowered her to help individuals hone their goals and reach their full potential. Big thanks to Erica for sharing her wisdom with us. Big thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. One sponsor to check out is LinkedIn Jobs. Did you know that you can post a job for free at linkedin.com slash be awesome? And with a fresh year, perhaps you're like many small business owners looking for some fresh insight and talent to make 2024 extra amazing. Well, LinkedIn Jobs has created tremendous tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and free. I love how they make it so easy with their promotion and selection tools. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. No, no. No. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Here's some fun facts. 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours, and small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash be awesome. That's linkedin.com slash B-E-A-W-E-S-O-M-E, as in you are being awesome, be awesome, to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Now, here's Erica. Erica, welcome to How to Be Awesome at Your Job. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh, I'm excited to be chatting. And I dig your book title, I Can, I Will, Watch Me, How to Not Be Overlooked, Underpaid, or Undervalued. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I.e. How to Be Awesome at Your Job. (laughs) That's right. Nice, healthy overlap there. Well, tell us, uh, can you kick us off right from the bat? Is there a particularly surprising discovery you've made about folks being overlooked from your work with clients and putting together the book? One of the things that I hear all the time, especially with clients that I work with, is I want to be promoted or I want to advance in my organization. I feel stuck. And one of the first things I'll ask them is, have you had that conversation about your next steps or your interests or your desire to advance? Are you sharing your impact, your results, all of those things? And there's this assumption that, no, my manager knows all of that. (laughs) Like, maybe they don't. (laughs) And so sometimes people need a really clear roadmap on just how to really articulate and do the things to showcase yourself 
and to get to that next level. And that's really what the book is about. It's that roadmap, because I think we assume, oh, I'm working really hard. Everyone knows my results, or they know that I want to work on the cool projects or initiatives or lead the team. But unless you really lay that out, especially in today's world, it might not be known. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Well, and I'm curious, what's your sense for, if you had to, if you have, maybe I've got some hot research or a rough sense, what proportion of professionals do you think are in fact overlooked, underpaid, undervalued? You know, I would say my informal research is probably somewhere around, I would say 75%. And I do think All that right. there are, yeah, some groups that tend to get overlooked more than others. You know, I work a lot with women. And I think sometimes we as women are not as vocal. We are scared to be bragging or doing things like that. And so as a result, you know, we're overlooked for opportunities. We're not as visible. So it really comes down to sometimes some personal factors. But I do think there's only a small segment in most organizations, in my experience, that is always making sure they're staying at the forefront of, you know, the key stakeholders who are making decisions about their careers' minds. Okay. And so how do we know if we're in that 75% or the fortunate 25%? So the first thing I say, you know, I do a lot of work also around personal branding is you should start to talk to the people who are making decisions about your career. The first thing to know is that it's not just your boss, right? There are other stakeholders who have influence on whether or not you advance, whether or not you get, again, those visible assignments or projects or client work. And so you need to know who those people are and start to ask them questions. You know, is my name coming up when there's discussion about advancement opportunities? What are the words that you would use to describe me? How much do you think the work that I'm doing is connected to the overall direction of the organization? Start to ask those questions. And if the, you know if you're getting a response where someone's just kind of looking at you with, I don't ever think about you when I think about going far, then you got some work to do. <laughs> okay. So ask the questions and we get that vibe. And I guess I'm curious, are there also on the underpaid side of things, there's a number of, of places we can go online to, to research, hey, what are, what is a competitive salary for my role, et cetera? Any favorite places you like to go there? So you know what my favorite place to go to is to ask other people that are in your industry, perhaps that may not work at your same organization, and to start having more transparent conversations about what they're being paid, even if it's just a range, if you're not comfortable, you know, necessarily always sharing exact numbers. But I think that that's kind of the best research. I mean, there's other places online you can look, but sometimes just having those conversations with those like-minded peers can be the most transparent in terms of research and data that you'll ever get. Okay. Now, if, if that feels awkward and uncomfortable, do you have any suggested verbiage or scripts instead of just saying, yo, how much money you make? <laughs> well, again, that's why it's important to have a strong network. And so I, I think if you have especially mentors or other peers or colleagues, it's to say, you know, do you know at your organization about the range that someone would be making that's in either the position you're in or the position that you're seeking? Or you could say, you know, I was looking online and I saw that this job, this position typically pays around X amount. I'm just trying to bounce that around with some people who might have a sense. Does that sound right to you about what you think this position should be making? Or would you say it's 20% higher, 20% less? I'm just getting that type of feedback. And so that, again, we get really uncomfortable talking about sometimes money and, and, and salaries, but that's sometimes the best way to really get a sense on what the market is paying for certain roles. 
Okay. And could you bring it together with an inspiring story, perhaps, of someone who who was, in fact, overlooked, underpaid, undervalued, and what specific steps they did to reverse that and what became of them? I have a client that I've been coaching for about two years, and she came into her organization. She was new to her organization, I should say, when she came into the role that she's in. And she kind of, what happens a lot, right? The job she thought she was coming in and the job that it actually was, there was definitely a delta. And so she started doing some of that informal research where she both looked online at different places, but also started having some conversations with other colleagues or or peers and just, again, getting that range. And so when she brought the information to her boss, she really approached it as more as a negotiation versus asking for a raise. And said, look, I, you know, I really want to align the work that I'm doing because it's not exactly the scope that I was hired for. It's much larger. I don't have a team. I'm doing everything myself. And based upon my market research, this range is more closely aligned with the level of work that I'm doing. And, you know, he appreciated actually the way she presented it. And she also could show her impact, her results, all the things that she had brought to the organization in just a very short time frame. And he said, you know what, you've made a great case and I I can't do anything right now, but let's put together a package that we could present. And so one of the things that I always tell people is just get a commitment to the next step. It's very rare where your boss is going to say, absolutely, let me put the paperwork in right now. But she did get a commitment that they would revisit it in 90 days. And she did eventually get a very substantial raise. Okay, beautiful. And so I think in terms of, of the starting point here, I think many of us might have some butterflies in the stomach, some jitters, and not the confidence to boldly have such conversations. How do you recommend we start? Practice. She and I practiced that conversation probably about three or four times before she actually had it with her boss. Uh, So I recognize it's not easy to go in and to even start the conversation, but you you need to practice. Have a a friend or if you have a coach or, you know, a partner, another colleague, someone that you can actually have a a good role-playing conversation with and practice it going a number of ways. Practice them shutting you down immediately. Practice them pressing you for more information. Practice them saying, you're absolutely right. And, And you knowing how to then, what are those next steps? So you just need to definitely make sure that you're prepared for the conversation. I also think it's good to lay the groundwork. So I wouldn't just go in and immediately ask my uh, my boss or manager on Friday at three o'clock, you know, if I can talk to them about making more money. But, you know, you want to start laying that groundwork early. Make sure that they know what you want to discuss before so they have, they come into the conversation with the right mindset as well. And then again, really look at it as a negotiation. I think when we go into it feeling like we're asking for something, it feels if we're shut down immediately that we failed. But go in and really negotiate. And some of it may be salary. Some of it may be other parts of what you're seeking. Maybe it's you know more visibility to work on projects that are at a higher level. Maybe it's a title change. You know, maybe it's just better understanding if I'm making this, what do I need to do to get to making, you know, X? So there's a wide range of things that that initial conversation could be about. But more than anything, you want to make sure that you're prepared. And the best old fashioned way to prepare is just practice, practice, practice. Okay, beautiful. All right, Erica, we'll back it up a little bit. Can you share with us what is your general approach and first steps if we want to be in the groove of not being overlookable, underpayable, undervaluable? 
So it really gets down to having a strategy. What I talk a lot about in the book and also just with a lot of my coaching clients is that being ambitious is not enough. You must also be strategic. So for example, when it comes to being more visible, you should sit down and spend some time thinking about what is important to your boss or your manager? What is important to your organization? And you need to make sure that the work that you're doing can be connected to that. Oftentimes, I see people who are so busy, they're spinning their wheels, they're completely worn out, and they can't figure out why they're working so hard, yet people around them who appear to not be working maybe as hard as they are they seem to be always getting that promotion or getting that visible project or doing things that in some ways feel a little bit unfair compared to how quote unquote hard you might be working. And so oftentimes that's because they are doing things that are important to their boss and manager. So that's one of the first things you need to do is connect the work that you're doing to what's important to your boss, what's important to your organization. And if you can't make a connection, then you have a problem, right? <laughs> and when you talk about making the connection, it's funny, I, I'm very good at rationalizing things in my brain. And so I'm imagining that it's more about ensuring that the stuff you're actually doing is that which is valued as opposed to telling a good story about it. Is that fair to say? Or is there some value in the storytelling too? So I think there's value in the storytelling too, but you just have to make sure you're telling, uh, you know, the right story. So for example, you know, we know a lot of times higher level, higher level management, they manage by sound bites. So you want to make sure that you're giving those sound bites when you do have their ear. So if you know, for example, that, you know, there's a client, that's the client that matters the most to your boss, then think about when you have those conversations with your boss, how can you show that you're over-delivering or you're doing the things that are keeping that client happy or that are retaining the client? Or are you spending your time talking about things that relate to another project that you know is of a much lower priority to your boss. So think about those types of things. Again, that's where it comes to being strategic. So it's not just, it's being focused and knowing what those high visibility areas are and making sure the work that you're doing is connected to them. But it also is about the story that you're telling about how you are helping to deliver whatever it is the end goal is for that particular initiative or project or opportunity. All right. Well, so can you share with us some particular tactics in terms of figuring it out, like what is strategically valuable, and then shifting ourselves over to doing it? Sure. So the number one thing is if you don't know what's important to your boss or your manager that they're working on, that they're doing, then you need to have a conversation and ask. Oftentimes when we have, for example, one-on-ones with bosses or managers, those People use that time to go down. This is the task that I'm working on. This is how I've been keeping busy. And sometimes that might be appropriate, but other times you really want to be having a deeper level conversation. You could always send a list of what you're working on in advance of that one-on-one -on -one time, but actually spend that one-on-one -on -one time getting more information about, again, what are the strategic opportunities that are happening or initiatives that are going on in your organization? What's keeping your boss up at night? What are the things that they're working on that they feel are critical? Spend time getting more information about that. And then again, finding ways where you can insert yourself into those projects, into those initiatives. But again, sometimes it's just as easy as having a conversation 
When it comes to your organization's overall growth and strategy, most of the times that information can be found in um, strategic plans or just, again, having those higher level conversations, asking, you know, boss, your manager, your peers, your colleagues, you know, where do you think we're trying to go in the next three to five years? And how do you think our team fits into that plan? And those are the types of people who really advance and go to that next level. So ask those types of questions, especially right now. It could be as easy as asking if you could sit in on maybe a a meeting or something that's happening at a higher level so you can get that greater level of visibility. And then really look at your calendar, look at your meetings, look at your to-do list and the things that are you working on. Are they all tactical things or are they things that also can be connected to those initiatives that you know really matter? All right. Well, let's say we're doing all these things and somehow it seems like we're still getting overlooked. Maybe we're in meetings and we say stuff and people seem to just not acknowledge it. <laughs> or, they, or someone else says almost the same thing we said. Oh, and then yeah. it's like, what, 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 I just said that. What? Why do you get all the head nods and I'm not getting the head nods? Or, or maybe folks are, are stealing credit. Can you walk us through some of the other tricky realities that pop up even when you're doing the right work? Well, everything that you just said, and I'll be honest, I have personally experienced many of those when I was in my corporate career. And again, that's why it's really important to make sure that you are clear on your own accomplishments, you are clear on your impact and your results, and you really are finding opportunities to insert them and reinsert them into conversations. I think oftentimes, especially when it comes to having conversations about our work, our results, our impact, those happen once a year. When? During performance reviews. We have to change that. You know, we can't expect everyone in the organization or the people who matter for our growth in the organization to know and remember everything we've done over the course of 12 months. And so it's ha- making sure that you're finding opportunities to strategically share those accomplishments, those wins is really important. And it goes back to what I said previously about the sound bites. You know, one of my favorite tips that I actually learned from a a woman named Shahara Downing, who does a lot of work around personal branding, is every call that you have with perhaps, you know, your team, a stakeholder, your boss, instead of when you get on, especially in Zoom and you're talking about the weather, (laughs) like, oh, where, how, what's the, how is it raining there? What's the temperature? Use that as an opportunity to share a win. You know, when someone says, hey, how's it going? Instead of saying, oh, it's it's fine, say, oh, you know, it's it's going really well. I just got off the phone with the client that, you know, we had been having a lot of trouble with, but we had a great conversation and they really gave a, a compliment about how committed they felt that, you know, our team has been doing to help working through a difficult time. So find those opportunities to really make sure that you're sharing what you're doing, the results and the impact. Don't wait to be asked or don't wait for that performance review time. And then also, if you feel as though you're still not getting accountability and visibility, then those are the hard conversations that you both need to have with yourself as well as with perhaps a boss, a manager, or a mentor, because those could be indicative of, you know, am I in the right organization? If I, am I in an organization that's going to recognize me and that's going to allow me to thrive, not just survive? And to be honest, it might not be a, a, a organization 
for you that will thrive if you're working really hard and still not getting visibility. So that's why it's good to do these check-ins, but make sure that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, not just waiting for someone to say, how's it going? How's your work product? (laughs) You want to make sure that you're leading those conversations. That is good. And sometimes when folks ask you, you, how are you doing? How's it going? That's actually exactly what they mean. It's like, show me progress now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but but it feels rude <laughs> and, uh, and almost dehumanizing. Just like, show me progress now, work robot. So that's I think that's great to be thinking in advance about how you will respond to how's it going, what's new, how are you doing? Because it, it's very easy to forget about something like, oh yeah, that felt good, but it was three days ago. <laughs> but the, if you have that in mind, you're thinking about that and you're ready to go and, and offer that right in the moment. And that's really handy. Exactly. Exactly. Because we suffer from recency syndrome, right? We only remember what just happened. <laughs> and we also suffer from, we remember the bad things. So if you have that brag list, that accomplishment list, and you're updating it on a regular basis, I think you should update it weekly. Then you have those go-to things that you can share on the fly because you can always just look at them and to say, okay, have I shared with someone that this happened or there was an accolade or something? You know, it doesn't, everything doesn't have to be the Super Bowl. There are wins every single day, I guarantee that are happening in everyone's professional career. Mm -hmm. And if folks are stealing credit, how do you navigate that? Well, I I think that's also when you want to have those conversations. You feel as though someone is taking accountability for your work or for your ideas or for your thoughts. I think there's two ways to approach it. I mean, I think one way is directly going to that person and saying, I, I saw that you received credit for this, but I, you know, I actually was the one that was leading that project or I want to make sure, can you uh, explain um, how this is something that everyone is knowing has, is acknowledging you for and, and not me? But also, again, I think this is why it's important to be having these regular conversations with your manager and with your team so that there can be very little gray area for people not knowing exactly what you're accomplishing and what you're doing. Oftentimes, it's just the people who are more vocal. It might not even be that they're stealing your credit, but they might just be more vocal about what they're doing, even if it's a minimal. And so I think at times, again, it can feel very uncomfortable but it's good to do things that make you feel a little bit uncomfortable. And perhaps that is talking about, you know, your part and your piece of it. And the other thing I will say is that when you see this happening to someone else, I think it's a really important exercise to always connect it back to the person who should have ownership of an idea, of a thought. It could be, you know, in a meeting where someone says something and then someone else says the exact same thing. And you should be the one to stand up and say, oh, that was, you know, a great idea, Pete. It was great that you added on to what Erica just said. And so when you start to get into the practice of doing this yourself for other people, I do believe that others will start also to get in the practice of doing it for you. But you can also say that to someone. I've done that before where I've said something and they have said the exact same thing. And everyone's like, oh, great idea. I'm like, oh, I appreciate the fact that you confirmed the idea that I just shared. Gotcha. All right. I'm also wondering when it comes to the remote work dynamic, if you're remote, it seems like there is a a higher risk associated with being overlooked. Do you play the game any differently or any particular strategies you want to employ in this context? Absolutely. So 
I believe that remote work is here to stay. It's been here for a while. I've actually, I worked remote for the last five years of my corporate career. And that was before, you know, COVID or anything hit. And there's a couple of, I I think, rules of engagement for remote work and visibility. Number one, you have to be over-communicative. This is not the time to not answer emails or to not respond to instant messaging, all of those things. I'm not saying that you have to, you know, stop everything you're doing every time a message comes in. But you have to recognize that when you are working remotely and people don't hear from you or you're not really responsive in a timely way, the default assumption is going to be that you're not working, that you're not engaged, that you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. And so sometimes um, it can be a matter of acknowledging that you received the message and that you're going to get back to someone in the next 24 hours or something of that nature. But it's really important to be overly communicative. I also think this is the time too, where you have to make sure that you are getting that time in with your boss or your manager to really talk about the impact that you're doing. So again, going back to the one-on-one time, if you don't have regular one-on-one time and you're with your boss in a remote environment, then you should really be the one to drive scheduling it. Sometimes we feel like, oh, well, my boss doesn't require it, so we don't do it. I would flip that around, especially remote. I would ask my boss, can we set up time weekly or bi-weekly so that we can really catch up and, and focus on some of the work that I'm doing. So don't think just because you're in meetings with your boss or manager on a regular basis that you don't need that one-on-one time. It's really important to get their focused attention. And then going back to also what I said earlier, make sure that you're using that time effectively. It's not the time to always go through what you're working on. It's actually the time to really talk through about your impact, your results, other areas that you'd like to see yourself stretch and grow, to know what they're working on, what they're focused on. Because again, you may not be getting that time you would typically have in the office where you could, you know, sort of foster and nurture that relationship. So at least having dedicated time with them Um, on a one-on-one basis becomes much more incredibly important. And then lastly, I am a firm, firm, firm believer in turning the camera on. I know everyone has a love-hate relationship with with Zoom and Teams and the video camera, but I I do believe that if we want to foster relationships and we want to make sure that we're, again, having that visibility, being able to see someone's face, their body language, their facial expressions when they're speaking It makes a huge difference. Also, when your camera is on, you are less apt to multitask, which is a huge problem right now. I I struggle with it even when I'm, you know, teaching workshops and trainings and people have their cameras off because I know that they're doing work while we're supposed to be focused on a particular uh, workshop or building out a particular skill. So I think turning that camera on and being engaged and really participating in conversations and not checking out, I think that's the biggest risk of remote work is that if you're not seen, then you know it's out of sight, out of mind. It's very sort of basic <laughs> premise of you have to really be seen in order to be visible. And being seen means actually being seen on that video camera. Mm-hmm. And I would add to that, that ideally, and not that you have to have some super fancy studio, but having clear, appealing mm-hmm. light and sound as opposed to like a, a crispy, distant sound is just doesn't have a great impression. 
Um, I'm actually, I'm leading a a communications workshop right now for a team. And I've shared with them, like, if you work remotely and this is where you're going to be for the, you know, near future, invest in something like a microphone. If your laptop doesn't have great audio, it doesn't matter that it's your work laptop and that everybody else sounds horrible. Think about (laughs) you, you know, because that's what I hear all the time. Well, it's everybody's audio sounds horrible. It's the laptops they gave us. Same thing with your camera. You can buy an external HD camera on Amazon and plug it up and instantly your delivery will look different. Your executive presence will look different. Um, thinking about things such as your backgrounds and all of those things. Again, if you are someone that's looking to go to the next level, then you have to do things that are going to set you apart. You know, there's a great book I love called The 5 a.m. Club by Robin Sharma. And in the book, he talks about the fact that 90% of people are happy being ordinary and 10% of people want to be extraordinary. And if you want to be extraordinary, it's not as competitive because everybody's down there being ordinary, but you are the ones that are doing the things that everyone else isn't doing. And so stepping up your visual, your audio, your Zoom, or teams meetings, that's whatever. If everyone else is not doing it, then you should be the one doing it if you want to be a part of that 10%. Mm-hmm. Right on. Well, tell me, Erica, anything else you want to make sure to mention before we shift gears and hear about some of your favorite things? No, one thing I would just add is that, again, remember how important it is to be strategic in your career. Ambition is not enough. You want to also um, marry that ambition with strategy. And that really means being aware of who you are. It means being aware of who people think you are. (laughs) Because perception is the co-pilot to reality. That's a quote by Carla Harris. And I really stand by that. All right. Well, now, Erica, could you share a favorite quote? Something you find inspiring. (laughs) Sounds like one right there. Well, that's one of my favorite quotes. (laughs) Yeah, I I would say that's probably my favorite. The other one is um, by Ursula Burns. Where you are is not who you are. Okay. And could you share a favorite study or experiment or bit of research? I love reading the studies and the research that are done by Harvard Business Review. There actually was a recent one done just around hybrid work and visibility and and who will get promoted. Can you still get promoted at the same level if you um, are working in a, a hybrid workforce? And there was, I don't have the exact percentage, but it was a lot of people thought, no, it'll be more difficult to get promoted in a hybrid workforce if you're on the side that's working remotely. So I thought that was interesting. And that's why I think I'm always thinking about what are the strategies to align people in a hybrid space with people who are also going to be in person. Okay. And a favorite book? Probably my go-to because it's a quick read. And I think so many lessons is um, Who Moved My Cheese? Okay. And a favorite tool, something you used to be awesome at your job. I'm going to go back to what I just said. I, I think a subscription to Harvard Business Review Ascend, I think it's like $120 for a year and I and you get something every single day that's of value. So that's actually, I think, a great tool to be awesome at your job. All right. And a favorite habit? Probably morning meditation. Just getting a, setting the tone for the day. All right. And a key nugget you share that really seems to connect and resonate with folks, they quote it back to you often. Probably about just stepping outside of your comfort zones and how you think about fear. I had a client text me this morning that wasn't going to apply for a job. And we got down that she wasn't applying about not getting it out of fear. So, and I text her back, 
Fear is Your Homeboy, which is a book by Judy Holler. And so (laughs) (laughs) I I think just really understanding how growth starts outside your comfort zones. All right. And if folks want to learn more or get in touch, where would you point them? EricaPierce.com. Or also I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Instagram, but that's the easiest place to find me. Okay. And do you have a final challenge or call to action for folks looking to be awesome at their jobs? I would say think of something professional that makes you feel a little scared and then do it scared. Okay. Erica, this has been a treat. I wish you much luck and fun in not being overlooked, underpaid, or undervalued. (laughs) Thanks so much. I really appreciate you having me. I loved Erica's take that there are wins every single day, some that you celebrate to yourself and others that you want to prudently, tactfully, wisely make sure others are also aware about to boost that visibility and make sure that you are in fact not overlooked or underpaid or undervalued. Great stuff from Erica. Again, the show notes, the transcript, and the links to items that we've mentioned are found at awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP790. Hope to catch you next time and peace. Thanks for listening. To get the most out of the show, we recommend two key things. First, check out the extra resources at awesomeatyourjob.com. You can find this episode's transcript and links, as well as the perfect episode for your situation. You can search the full text transcripts of hundreds of episodes or explore episodes tagged by topic and competency covered. Second, subscribe to the podcast and get future episodes automatically. You can subscribe by telling Siri and several other smartphones and speakers, subscribe to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast or by tapping subscribe in your podcast player of choice. If you'd like some extra help figuring out podcasts and how subscriptions work, visit awesomeatyourjob.com slash subscribe for guidance. Hope to catch you on the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job.